BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The mirror's image. It tells me it's all but I'm not finished. All right. And we are back for another very exciting edition of the Starting 502 podcast. As always, I'm your host with the most, Presley Meyer. I'm joined alongside by Nick Connor, and later in the show, we will be joined by Matt McGavick, uh, Sports Illustrated's own. Um, we're excited to be here. We have quite a bit to talk about, um, but I think the first thing that we just want to jump into right away, Chris Mack out the door at Louisville, actually a mutual parting of ways. Truly, I mean, you rarely see this in Division One co- college athletics, but a true mutual parting of ways chris mack uh, decided that he was ready to head he and louisville came to an agreement of 4.8 million dollars over three years so uh, my guy's getting a decent little severage package here he's gonna be making uh what did i say nick One hundred and sixteen thousand dollars or something like that a, a month for the next three the numbers years. the numbers slightly less than that her did qualify qualify that it's the rest of this fiscal year and then the three that follow so i think it's slightly okay. less than that a month Okay, so the rest of this fiscal year would go uh, into the fiscal year begins in June. Um, so we're looking at, yeah, about $100,000 a 
a month for Chris Mack. Not a bad parting gift on the heels of, of this season. But, I mean, let's dig into this a little bit. Chris Mack essentially decides that he is out the door. Uh, he could not take any more of, of the pressure and the responsibility that came with his job. Uh, for one, based on everything that's happened, there were a lot of things that hit him that were not fair. Uh, and he kind of indicated essentially that he was not getting to spend enough time with his family, probably not sleeping. This, I'm sure the suspension to start the season played a little bit into this as well. But first of all, the first thing I would say is good on him for realizing and recognizing in a time um, and at a job where things are just not going well, recognizing that he needs to step back for his mental health and for his family. Number, number one, first and foremost, not to be corny or whatever, as somebody who is, you know, a pretty big advocate for, you know, taking care of yourself, mental health, all that good stuff. Not, not excited for him, but I'm, I'm glad that he's going to be able to kind of get things sorted out for himself. And I mean, look, Chris Mack has a great, if, if, if he chooses to do so, he has a great future ahead of him. There are plenty of schools that would love to have him. And I just, I, I think that this, I think that things could have not, not, could not have gone better. Uh, for Louisville and Mac uh, to part ways. I think midseason helps Louisville with the coaching search. I think that there's there's just a lot of good that that can come from this. For once, we're not battling over how much we're going to have to pay somebody out. We're not having a, uh, any sort of legal battles. We're not having to call lawyers in. We're not having to um, have some sort of like, you know, stain on the program. For once, we just amicably, amicably parted ways. Uh, Nick, kind of what was your initial reaction on this and, and kind of what is your take going forward for Chris Mack? Obviously, instantly, as things went down um, on Tuesday behind the scenes, very shocked that it got to this point this quickly. I know from hearing from Josh Hur, the interim AD this afternoon, that things had started to have they had started to have this conversation last week, it sounds like, um, and then entered kind of back into this conversation basically Tuesday morning. Um, and all of that is shocking. Um, I, I definitely thought the train was picking up momentum for Chris Mack to be gone after this season. I would never have imagined it would have happened in the end of January with, with a half of the ACC schedule still left. Never would have imagined anything like that. I mean, on the heels of a decent showing um, fan-wise in the yum for the Russ Smith jersey on, you know, jersey retirement, all of that. Um, definitely was was caught not looking there. I guess I, I just didn't didn't see that coming. But I think I think it's not shocking when you look at it and when you zoom out and you look at how the pieces were beginning to fall. Um, again, going back to the Malik Williams presser, going and looking at just just his body language on the bench, just players responding to him with their body language and their effort. Really felt like a great example was Monday night against Virginia when the team came out very flat. Um, was down 23 to five at one point in the first half did go on a little bit of a run to end the first came out in the second ran some offense played some connected defense you know toyed with the one three one thought that was like interesting you know chris mack used to run a one three one at xavier so that wasn't that wasn't the worst thing to see but it felt like adjustments were being made and then you could notice the minute that virginia started hitting shots again they went on kind of a cold streak and the minute virginia started hitting buckets again that was it that was when the air came out of the sails that's when the bickering came back. That's where the Jalen Withers on the bench with Sid Curry moment, you know, happened, all of those things. Um, and so I think if you look back at that, I know it's only been a few days, but you can see that kind of coming, coming undone. But, but I think this is the right move for both parties. And I think doing it right now, as Josh Hurd said, sets Louisville up as number one in the market. 
This is already a top five job. And now you're the first one out there. I mean, you're in front of Maryland. Let's get that out, you know, out of the way. I, I already forgot that that Maryland was open, but they're they're a top 20 job, I think, you know, realistically, especially being in the Big Ten with the Big Ten being what they are right now. But Louisville's number one in line. Louisville's a top five job. Chris Mack, like you said, didn't take, you know, as much money as his contract had guaranteed him. Um, I do think it's interesting to note, Presley, and I know there was some talk on some other media outlets and Twitter and things today uh, of if there was a conversation with Chris Mack that kind of went to the tune of we could come to an agreement of a reduced number or we could maybe do some own, or some of our own digging into some of the more stuff that Dino Gaudio said and some of the accusations and maybe find some things that might lead us to $0 for you out the door. And, you know, if that's something that you even have any doubt as Chris Mack, then you take the reduced number. And I I think that's what happened. We could look back at this. Like right now, I am very comfortable with the way that this turned out. I'm comfortable with it because I know the financial state of this university. I know what Chris Mack's buyout was, $12 million. I know the state of the university and how dire the money situation is. And the fact that Louisville got off without having to pay any, you know, a bunch of money for litigation or anything like that. It was just a true, I'm not a good fit. You guys don't don't think I'm a good fit. I have to, I just need to be done with this. How can we leave? I I think that as of right now, I'm very pleased with that. But, and it's a big but, that's what she said. There could definitely be some serious issues down the road where we could look back and be like, damn. Chris Mack got away with $4.8 million and he put us in this mess. Like there's a very realistic possibility that that happens. I think that Louisville chose the right, they made the right decision by not trying to fight it because there was the option of, you know, they could say we fired you with cause and we're going to prove it and go into the, the legal battle of that. And then, but then, of course, there's, you know, just the, having that dark cloud over you, the fallout that would come from that, like it could have gone so, so, so much worse. And we saw with the Dino Gaudio thing, just how much worse it could go. And it didn't. And for that, I will forever be grateful. Again, we could look back and the NCAA could, could you know, uh, hammer Louisville for whatever happened behind the scenes. Uh, but I, I think as of right now, I think that this is as good as it could have gone. Uh, one thing that I want to get into, essentially what Louisville is losing as far as just a beloved figure uh, at, at the university. I think that you can't have a, a podcast talking about Chris Mack leaving without acknowledging the good stuff that he brought. For so long, there was so much negative surrounding Chris Mack. You know, and I don't think that we would have thought that um, a- after, you know, say, winning at Duke on, on the road uh, in, in 2020. You know, like there, there's a lot of just bad stuff that had to pile up and happen in order for Chris Mack to be out the door. And it, if, I think if you went back to me on in February 2020 and said Chris Mack is going to part ways with Louisville January of 2022, I would have thought that that was insane. Uh, but I mean, that's a, that's exactly what happened. And, you know, we'll get into the ins and outs of, of exactly why it was such a steep, you know, fall from grace. I really want to take the, take a second and just acknowledge the type of person and the type of man that, that Chris Mack is and the reason why I feel like I'll always be cheering for him going forward. So uh, my, my story is and will always be. So I 
as most know, Jacob and I were at a, at a previous uh, website uh, before we started State of Louisville, before we kicked off all of this, before starting 502 was ever a figment of our imagination, any of that stuff. Chris Mack, uh, as many know, has always kept his ear to the ground. He has always been a, an avid social media user. He has always tried to gauge the pulse of the fan base. And as many in the media and many uh, that are kind of close to the university have found out, he's not hesitant to reach out if he disagrees with something, if he appreciates something. He's very active uh, as far as making cameos and, and, and all sorts of stuff to engage with the fan base. And uh, so I had a we had a Big Red Louie podcast. Uh, that I hosted and we had a couple guys on that will, will remain nameless, but they were pretty, they had some pretty sharp criticism for Chris Mack uh, following the, the 2019, 2020 season. And again, as we kind of hinted at, that was a season that got canceled. Um, and, you know, that was probably the best, that was not probably, that was definitely the best roster that, that Mack had in his time here. And, and there is some sharp criti- criticism thrown around. Luckily I was not on, on the, the receiving end of this, even though I would have, I should have been, but Jacob Blaine woke up at a uh, five 30 in the morning and he had an extensive amount of, of direct messages from one Chris Mack. The messages were not anything that was vulgar or rude by any means, but they were very defensive and they um, were very, I, I would say the comments were very pointed. And I get a, you know, I wake up to a bunch of messages. Holy crap. Holy crap. Uh, and, you know, I'll keep that PG. Um, but freaking out because Chris Mack is in the DMS and not for a good reason. And what could have been a terrible, a terrible situation for our website. Again, we work for uh, a sports illustrated kind of fan sided affiliate website. Uh, so, you know, our, that's our worst nightmare is that what we write and what we, the effort that we put out there is not only poorly received by the coaching staff, but they're going over everybody else's heads and reaching out to you directly to tell you how much you suck pretty much. And we kind of navigated that into a, well, you know, again, we apologize. That wasn't necessarily our views that somebody is not normally on the podcast. And, you know, if you feel that way, why don't you come on and hang out with us? And Chris Mack was not only receptive to that, but he was excited about that. And he made the effort to go out and, and himself make sure that he set up a time to have a podcast with us again in an off season, which, which, you know, he received a lot of flack for uh, not being, you know, not having many channels of communication where, you know, everybody made fun of him for being out at the lake too much or spending too much time with his family or whatever. He made the time to spend with us two schlubs who could, didn't even have media credentials or anything to have like a 30, 35 minute podcast, talk about life, roosters, wings, uh, you know, beer, how to treat your wife, just all kinds of different stuff. And so for two guys, I'm not sure that I would be sitting where I am right now if it weren't for the kindness and the actions of Chris Mack. Uh, Any other any other interaction with him going forward? Super positive, um, seemed like a super down to earth guy. And the only thing that I could think about at the time was you know just how different that is than than Rick Pitino, or how different that is than most coaches around the country, especially a coach for a top ten Power Five team for for a program that has national championship aspirations and expectations each year. To me, that always really just stuck out to me. He was nice enough to do a couple a couple cameos for us for different stuff as well, 
and just really was always bought into the fan aspect of things. You, he might have not always said things that you agreed with. He might have gotten a little snarky. You know, he's known to do that, but he was always true to himself and he always truly appreciated what he got from the fan base. And I know that a lot of people are coming out now. Again, that's not really a story that most people know publicly, but I think, you know, I'm comfortable talking about relationships and everything now that that he's out the door that, that will always leave a, a mark on me because number one you know i i wouldn't be we wouldn't be where we are today without the draw and in the in the pool uh that 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 brought us we wouldn't have been able to start a, a new website there was a lot of stuff that came with that just by him reaching out extending that olive branch and being the guy that that many people have confirmed that he is a lot of stuff came after that there were a lot of complicated situations. There are a lot of things that, that happened that I disagreed with. And this season, over the last month or so, if you listen to this podcast, a lot of stuff has gone down that you and I don't agree with. But as a person, as a man off the floor, as a father, as a husband, I've never, there, I've, there's never been a coach that I thought more highly of at the University of Louisville than Chris Mack. And I know you have some stories as well of favorite memories. I mean, to me, uh, again, that the Duke Road game, Michigan State at home in year one, uh, the North Carolina upset win uh, in year one. There were a lot of really positive memories. Uh, the, the emergence of Jordan Wara, the emergence of Carly Jones. There was a lot of good that came out under Chris Mack as well. There was a lot, a lot of fun stuff, and I really enjoyed the fact that he was just a, a people's coach. You know, Rick, Rick Pitino uh, used to go to sidebar after, after they won and eat by himself and kind of, you know, not be super social. Chris Mack went to Roosters. You know, Rick Bettino was a Porcini's guy. Chris Mack is a Roosters guy. So the, the juxtaposition that at the time he was the only hire for Louisville. And when he came to Louisville, he had, he had a true appreciation for what it means to be Louisville's coach. Ultimately, the timeline and things did it just did not work out. As Josh Hurd indicated today, sometimes you fit the resume, but you're just not a fit. Ultimately, that's kind of, you know, where he will he probably won't be remembered as, you know, a, a massive figure in Louisville sports history. But as a person, just man to man, I cannot think of a, a more a person who's had more of an impact on just my view of the university and of the program. And he came into this program in a hard time. And I'm just appreciative of, of what the, what he brought to the table. Uh, memories that stick out to you, Nick Connor. I, I know that you mentioned a couple of games, but but, you know, big time memories for you. I think the presser when he was hired is is what stands out to me. Wanted Chris Mack. Again, Chris Mack was the best available. Had just taken Xavier as a one seed as, you know, a mid-major to the NCAA tournament. Went in most seasons to the NCAA tournament at Xavier in, in a league where he basically had to win the league or be very close to it, play a very hard non-conference schedule, all of those things. That's the, This was the guy I wanted, you know, and I felt like everything he said in that press conference was amazing. And very clearly, this is the job he wanted, um, made it very clear that he, you know, liked where he was at, at Xavier and, and you know, down at the town of Cincinnati. And Louisville was basically the job he was going to go for. And that like, that was it. That's what he was going to move his young family for. Um, and I believe him and I still believe him. And it was the right hire at the time. And it, it, you don't get to go back and, and say it wasn't now. It was the right hire at the time. It didn't work out. And I, I think that's a factor that will go into this searching, you know, this this job search and we can get there in a few minutes, but 
for me, other than the presser, it was the Michigan game. Um, I remember it was the week Louisville became number one on Monday morning, played Michigan on Tuesday night. I remember driving home from work, hopping in my dad's car, meeting him at work um, in Cincinnati and then north of Cincinnati and then busting, busting down uh, to get to, to the yum in time and the whiteout. That was the loudest crowd I've ever been a part of at, at Louisville. It may, may have been the lar- you know, loudest crowd possible. Um, I rem- will never forget the Darius Perry, drib- you know, dribble, turn and, and sweep to Ryan McMahon hitting the three to go up 13 um, against, you know, the number four team in the country or just won a, a tournament over Thanksgiving themselves. And, you know, it's, that, that was like the pinnacle of Chris Mack's career to me at Louisville had a team that was performing above talent. And I think that was the thing for Chris Mack. Chris Mack has always been an X's and O's guy who develops talent. And that's what broke down here in the last few years in Louisville. And that, and that's why things came undone at the seams. But again, you go back and you look at that team, Presley, you know, we were talking about a little bit before we went hot, but I mean, that team was 24 and seven kind of stumbled down the stretch and in, in, in late February and, you know, early March, but that team was number nine in Ken Palm. I mean, they were the 12th ranked offense and the 30th ranked defense. I mean, that is Chris Mack basketball. That's what Louisville, you know, was set. That's what he was selling when Louisville took it and his best Xavier teams played really good offense and were also elite defensively. And we saw that early. And I think that's what got me so excited was even, even with some of the losses early that were, you know, mind boggling, you know, Georgia tech Clemson back to back in that same season, you still saw those moments where you're like, okay, statistically this team's really good. And like they had Jordan Wara, who's, you know, a pro who's killing it as we speak. And like, like they had dudes and I didn't even feel like they were that elite talent wise, but I felt like they were getting it done X's and O's, you know, on both sides of the floor. And so that felt like the moment where it was like, all right, we're going places. Like we don't, we never deserved to be number one that year. Things just kind of happened in front of us in the polls. And I'm not personally, not that I don't get that fired up about the AP poll, but that's just me. Um, but we were never really in that territory. It just kind of happened that way. We got our losses, you know, about a month and a half into the season. But I, I think that was the moment where it was like, Chris Matt can be the guy and he was passionate and he was loud and he was fiery and he wanted the smoke. And the team talked about that and they wanted anybody you know, they beat Duke on the road, that Malik Williams dunk where, you know, he swung on the rim, you know, all of those things were, were highlight Chris Mack moments for me. And I think the big thing is, is you're hard pressed to find a media guy that doesn't like Chris Mack. And I don't mean that just with local guys. That's a national guy thing. Um, you know, having talked to Jeff Goodman, you know, both when we had him on and even recently, absolutely a guy that loves Chris Mack. Ha- listening to Gary Parrish on the I have Ion College Basketball Podcast and Matt Matt Norlander as well. Gary told a story today about um, he reached out to Mac basically when Mac took the Louisville job, and he said, "Chris, I I have one question for you. Is there ever been a thought that you can't achieve what you did at Xavier at Louisville?" And he said, "Chris laughed at him, and he said, at Louisville, absolutely not. Like we're getting you know being a one seed, going to the NCAA tournament, making deep runs." He absolutely believed that was in his, in his cards. And so again, if you look back at, and we can get into this press, but if you look back at that, that 1920 season, I mean, if that team goes to the NCAA tournament, we're not here right now. We're just flat out not. And that was a point that again, Gary Parrish had this morning, as well as Josh Hurd had in, had, had in his presser a few hours ago, if that team makes a, you know, second weekend run, which I think they probably did. I think that was probably a, a floor sweet 16 team maybe a ceiling final four team. And if, if that, that happens, 
the recruiting that happens after that, you know, the, the selling of merchandise and season tickets and all of those things that, that the money generated. And then you go into the next season and, you know, what does that change with COVID and everything? You know, like there's, there's always going to be a lot of ifs, ands, and buts, but I really think that you could point it to this team in 2019, 2020, not making the tournament. And when that happened, that unfortunately was, was the undoing of Chris Mack. It is tough. It's tough because as Mark Ennis indicated on Twitter today, and I'm sure as he said on his show, to come to Louisville and not succeed, almost you almost have to try mm. because you have so many great things going for you. And the reason I know the Athletic voted for this season, Louisville is the 12th most um, enticing job in college basketball. But, I mean, a lot of that has to do with the NCAA cloud that's hanging over, over um, Louisville's head. In a normal season, this is a top five, top six job probably. And, and the reasons are multiple. The kind of issue uh, that, that Chris Mack ran into was just that everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And in his best season, he, his, the season was, was halted. And they did stumble down the stretch. They did lose the, to Clemson and Georgia Tech in February. And those are things that Louisville fans did not find acceptable. And so they ended that season with a sour taste in their mouth, uh, came in during a COVID-shortened season, and they had, rightfully or, or not, there were a lot of questions about the way that Louisville handled, handled COVID because they had so many COVID pauses, and they had issues with when they were playing. Uh, they still had players that had to sit out, and there were issues with injuries. You know, Charles Menlin, who came in, was supposed to be, you know, potentially a starting two guard, never panned out. Uh, Louisville's pretty much entire uh, 2000 and I think it was 2019 recruiting class never panned out. And the, the two leftovers, Samuel Williamson and Jalen Withers, who were left over from the what we call the Super Six class, uh, they simply just did never panned out. And, and, and especially Withers almost feels like he, well, not almost feels like he regressed the season. All of that good mojo that Louisville had going during the Michigan game, during the the uh, Duke, the Duke uh, road game, there were so many positive moments, but it's kind of like you just had to have everything. It was just a chain reaction. And I am a firm believer of that things will go wrong at times, and it's the way that you react to your circumstances. You can't control your circumstances. No coach in the country could control, control the circumstances of COVID, and no coach in the country could control the circumstances of being shut down multiple times. But it's the way that you react. It's the way that you respond. And we saw over and over again, um, and this is kind of the negative portion of, of the show now, that Chris Mack and the Louisville staff were just never able to properly respond uh, to everything that, that life has thrown at them. I mean, you have the, old, the whole other discussion of just the changing expectations and the narrative of what is expected of, of, a, of a college basketball player and what the relationship between a college basketball player and the coaches are. Uh, number one during COVID and number two during a, a massive nationwide uh, social justice movement. And those are two things that you, that, that the coaches that are successful right now in college basketball handled excellently. The coaches that didn't are on the hot seat or on their way out the door. Like anything, you know, you and you and I discussed, you know, right before we got on the, on the podcast, Rick Bettino, Rick freaking Bettino, the guy that uh, entered the hall of fame uh, right before the national championship game in 2013 he was a guy that was 
considered on the hot seat as as recently as 2010 or 2011 in Louisville, uh, before before the whole falling out and the the scandals and everything else. He he, he was expected to perform, and even in that 2011 and 12 season when they went to the Final Four, they lost to South Florida at home on Senior Day. There there were a lot of negatives as well. Ultimately, you just have to win. You can get into the whole like you know Scott Satterfield beats beats Virginia this season. Even if he loses the other close games, he's not on the hot seat. You you cannot let allow things to have a ripple effect. And the difference between the Batino era or the first Petrino era, or the Charlie Strong era, and the current eras is, is that those coaches found ways to win. They didn't make excuses when their backs were up against the wall. They ultimately were able to to pull 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 it out. With all of that in mind, I guess Nick, where did things go wrong in your mind? And what can the next coaching staff and the next regime and, and people outside of the pro outside of the basketball program, you know, the, the administrators, people that are making decisions, what can they learn from that? And where can they improve going forward with the next crop of coach co- coaches, essentially? I think it all stems from recruiting. I think that's what got him in this situation in the first place. Um, even that team we were talking about, the 1920 team was patched together, um, was a team that was playing, you know, Dwayne Sutton out of position, was playing Darius Perry out of position, was playing Ryan McMahon out of necessity on a def- on the defensive end, you know, was playing Stephen Enoch, you know, as a stretch four when at times that wasn't the best for him, at, you know, especially for at the next level, as we found out when he tried to be a part of the NBA process, you know, so I, even that was a patchwork job. And I think, I think Jordan Warr got us out of that situation, you know, and I think that's what, if you look back at Chris's uh, Xavier career too, when he had some dudes who could score the basketball, he could fix the pieces around it. And he just, he just didn't get enough of those the last couple of years. And, you know, outside of David Johnson, who, you know, some would argue regressed in his second season, you know, especially offensively um, outside of David Johnson, Jordan Wara, he just, I mean, Carly Jones, again, who was a, you know, transfer, he just didn't get it done on the, on the recruiting trail. And I think the thing is this team is the perfect example he went and got role players from a bunch of different lower level teams and asked them to be something that they were not. Noah Locke, um, not an example of that, but Noah Locke from Florida, three years as a career 40% three-point shooter, catch and shoot guy, came to Louisville to build his draft stock as a, you know, both ways guard who can who can handle off the bounce. He's not that, right? I mean, you look at the other patches that have come over this year as well, and just guys playing out of position. And I think what happened is without recruiting extremely well. And like you said, it was, you know, that, that first class, that first big class, you know, Aiden, you know, Aiden transferred to Grand Canyon, didn't really pan out, you know, Sam, as you said, Withers, as you said, um, David Johnson was coming to Louisville, no matter who was the head coach, you could have been the head coach. David Johnson was coming to Louisville. Um, You know, it just, you know, and Quinn Slazinski, right at Iona right now with Rick Pitino, you know, you can't lose that many guys of that quote unquote star studded, class and let's be frank here that was not a duke class that was not a kentucky class that was not a kansas class it wasn't but it was who they were touting you know at the university as a big deal who he had to claim as a big deal on the recruiting trail and they weren't and it didn't pan out and i think i really do think that this generation of players these guys that are coming up at high school now care a lot less about tradition care a lot less about even recent winning they want to know what you can do for me And how, you know, are you going to cater to me NIL? Are you going to cater to me to develop me to get to the next level? You know, what is in it for me? And we know that with the transfer portal and the new rules, like if it's not in it for me, I'll wait 10 games and then transfer somewhere else and enroll early. Like 
that is just the way the game has changed and you got to play the game. You know, you can look at Dabo Sweeney this year, you know, if this was the year that Clemson was, you know, shown that their system doesn't work, then obviously they still had, you know, an insane amount of wins if this is the worst year in Dabo's program, but he, he was not going to take transfer portal guys. And now he's going to have to, to make some patchwork for some guys that didn't work well in his own recruiting, but you have to be an elite recruiter or it does not work in 2022. And I truly think the most dangerous coaches will always be the guys who can recruit in an elite way and coach X's and O's in an elite way. And right now, right now, there's just not a lot of those out there. You know, that's Bill Self. You know, that's that's Jay Wright. You know, that's Kelvin Sampson. You know, that's, you know, Matt Painter. That's John Calipari, you know, and the, uh, Mick Cronin. And that's probably about where the list stops. You know, Coach K, obviously, but he's leaving, you know, leaving the, the profession. But there's just not a lot of guys who have both of them and can make the family work-life balance and all the, you know, all of that. There's just so many components here. But I think, I think, you know, kind of bridging over to where we go next, Louisville's got to get a recruiter, got to get an elite guy who brings an elite staff of guys who are well plugged in all over the country, who can flip a guy immediately when he comes to Louisville. Like we, we need a guy who is going to bring three of his current recruits to Louisville immediately the day he, he, he signs the contract. Like that's simply what we need. Um, and, and Chris Mack just didn't bring that. And, you know, that, like you said, it's not acceptable. wasn't acceptable to the fan base. Writing was on the wall with recruiting. I personally thought the X's and O's would get him out of it. I thought he would continue to coach his way out of the talent gap, but he didn't. And he tried a lot of things and it didn't work. Um, and, and the guys that he wanted to do certain things wouldn't do them. Um, and again, you can, say, you can say all these things, you can do all these things. When a group of 18 to 22-year-olds see something not working, they no longer trust the man who's in charge who gets paid $4 million a year. It is completely unfair to compare the Chris Mack era to Rick Pitino because Rick Pitino made the, the problems that, that Chris Mack had to clean up, right? And so it is unfair to make those comparisons. But when you look into the past, Rick Pitino had players. You know, I just jotted down a few just off the top of my head. George Goodge, Quan Aaron, Jared Swapshire, Wayne Blackshear, BJ King, Angel Nunez. Those were the first ones that popped in my head. Those were like my high school era, you know, guys that I really liked that just never panned out type of guys, right? Uh, Wayne Blackshear won a national championship and he was a starter. So maybe not him, but he's a guy who always got a lot of flack. Anyways, there were guys in the Rick Pitino era that just didn't work out. I mean, there were plenty of guys that he you know, like risked his career for that never ended up going to Louisville. Lots of recruits that went straight to the NBA early on in, in his uh, tenure at Louisville. And then later on, guys that he ultimately lost, especially that that last recruiting class that he had. Anthony Simon uh, stands out as as a guy that would have just absolutely just torn it up at Louisville, ultimately didn't end up playing in college at all. So th- there, there are just a lot of of moving parts and components. Ultimately, coaches have to learn how to figure that out. But when you look at the the class that was that was pegged as the super six class, like you just cannot whiff on Aiden Agehan. Like when that's the guy that you he's the only guy that went to Ireland to see Aiden Agehan. You, you can't whiff on a guy like Aiden Agehan. You cannot you cannot not bring in any McDonald's All Americans outside of of uh, Samuel Williamson, and Samuel Williamson just never becomes the player that that he is pegged to be. There are lots of reasons why. Uh, Mac didn't work out, but ultimately it was a lot of swinging and missing on players that were pegged as his better guys. And that hurts a lot to see. Uh, and then you look at a guy like, you know, Darius Perry, like imagine how much Darius Perry could do on this team. We'll let him walk. Mm. Like they pretty much said, all right, 
that's fine. See ya. And he is absolutely tearing it up at UCF right now. So there are a lot of things that went, that came into play. Ultimately, the thing that stands out the most, though, the number one thing is that he never had the player. Carly Jones, yes, was an elite graduate transfer, probably one of the best graduate transfers in the graduate transfer era, like probably in the top five or ten of graduate transfers in, in Power 5 college basketball. I would find it hard to – I don't think you're going to find any other first-team all-conference, uh, second place in, in the, you know, um, all, all the, you know, player of the year awards voting. So with all that in mind, I think that's the major number one storyline uh, going forward is, and, and like Josh heard indicated, it's those, those NIL deals. And we'll get into this a little bit after we have Matt McGavick on, but essentially the, the NIL deals and the playing towards what this program can bring you, Louisville has to bring in some dudes. Like they have to get back to, you know, I, I think the the twenty to fifty is really their sweet spot. A high four star slash, you know, five quasi five star type of guy. Those are the type of guys that Louisville has always brought in. Uh, Louisville hasn't had a team without a McDonald's All American since before Patino came here. So it, it's been years and years and years that a, that a, a Burger Boy wasn't on this team. Uh, Samuel Williamson is close to being out the door, so that's going to leave. A, a major gap there as well. Like you have to have that kind of talent on your team. If you want to win consistently in the ACC and, and you know, be a, a team with, with a double buy and, and a top four seed in the NCAA tournament, like you have to bring in that sort of talent that is nowhere to be found on this team. It's, it's a lot of patchwork. It's been graduate transfer guards uh, since Rick Bettino left. There is a, there's a lot to assess. There's a lot to look at, uh, but first let's bring in Matt McGavick of, of Louisville SI and, and he'll help kind of, patch some of these holes, tell us about essentially what his day was like, a very tired Matt McGavick. And then we'll kind of get into what we think about uh, what the coaching staff, the, or the new coaches should bring to the table for a little. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm open into you. Now it's three in the morning. And I'm trying to change your mind. Left you multiple miscalls and All right. We are back on the Starting 502 podcast. We're joined by the man of the moment, the man who will be stopped at no time to get the beat, to get the quote, hunt down the, the, the source of information. The one, the only Sports Illustrated's Matt McGavick was kind enough to, to jump in with us. Matt, I would normally ask, how are you? But you seem just kind of worn out, exhausted. I know you're 
normally like working. If people don't know, by the way, give a round of applause to Matt McGavick because he is a night shifter, kind of, kind of a, a first shifter. And then he jumps in and basically has wall-to-wall UofL coverage for uh, uh, Sports Illustrated, Sports Illustrated Louisville. So, somebody freaking get this man um, into a legit full-time uh, reporting job because there's nobody that deserves it more than Matt. But Matt, okay, you started out your day. You were at the Cuber Center, the Cuber Center. Kind of lead us through that. What was the vibe of players coming in and out of the building? Did you get a chance to talk to anybody? What, what went down this morning at the Cuber Center? So it, it was really hard to kind of pick up on the vibe because we were told by a Kenny Klein, the SIV, that, you know, we couldn't really talk to anyone. So, and we were kind of distanced a little bit from them, so we couldn't really tell, like, how they were feeling, but they were kind of slowly trickling in one by one. And it was just, it was a weird, weird vibe for me personally, because I, I personally didn't expect to be thrust into this situation so quickly. I mean, I think we all kind of expected that we were going to be reaching this point by the end of the season. I think the writing was on the wall that Chris Mack was probably not going to be the coach for Louisville next season. But I just I did not expect things to ratchet up as quickly as they did. So it was kind of in a whirlwind moment as I'm just waiting outside the keeper center, just basically a stakeout waiting to see if anyone comes. Mack finally came out around – I want to say two or two thirty. Yeah, I think I think it was like one thirty when the when the tweet went out that he was storming into the building. So oh not storming son. in, but yeah, yeah I think yeah, it was I think it was one thirty et. But it it, it, it all, he obviously couldn't really say much at that moment because, well, then it hadn't been official yet. It didn't become official until maybe two three hours later with the meeting with the board of trustees and Eula. He almost seemed like it, he was. He was grateful for the opportunity, obviously. He sounded, he sounded extremely grateful for his time. He sounded genuine that he, he cared about the players. He cared about the fan base. But the vibe that I picked up from him is that he seemed relieved. He seemed relieved to finally have this uh, put behind him. He seemed relieved that he was finally no longer the head man in charge. And I think that's probably – the reason as to why him and Josh Hurd ended up coming to this decision that they were going to part ways. Cause I mean, we had seen Chris Mack's body language over the last week and a half, two weeks over the last couple of games, especially in that uh, Virginia game, the man just looked miserable. He looked disinterested. He looked like he wanted to be anywhere, anywhere else, but there and talking to him outside the Hebrew center, the, the energy he was giving off was completely different. Right. Right. And, and so as somebody, I think nobody's been closer to the program over the last probably month than you have. Uh, obviously, you know, there, there's a few there's a few other beat writers out there. You know, Jeff Greer comes to mind and then obviously Brett Dawson. Thank you. Um, but but essentially, you know, nobody's been closer. Nobody's been in, in more practices and, you know, at more press conferences than you. Is this something that you kind of saw coming or do you think that it kind of took everybody by surprise? I- I did kind of see it coming because I, well, I guess I can say it now. I went to the the practice before the pit game, the pit, the away pit game, the one that Louisville lost, and I could tell right then that they were going to lose that game because I mean the there was no camaraderie, there was no cohesiveness. Matt Cross was kicked out for half an hour. 
Jalen Withers was arguing with Jared West because West was getting on him. Now, I say that, and the practice I attended the very next week that preceded the uh, Boston College game, that one looks completely different, and I hadn't attended a practice since. But that practice against Pitt is when I first got a real taste of, okay, things are really starting to sour here. I wish I would have. I wish I would have attended more practices in between the preseason and then, just to kind of give a taste of how it was under Big East. But just kind of watching games under Big East, watching the Baham- the Bahamas games, it seems like the team kind of had more energy and was having more fun when Big East was the head man. Yeah, and I think there was kind of under Big East to kind of answer that. There's there felt like there was a nothing to lose type of mentality. Uh, especially in, in the Bahamas specifically because they were just coming off that that uh, abysmal loss to Furman. I, I think there is that aspect as well, just that the team um, really played with the nothing-to-lose type of mentality. And, and ultimately, you know, when they didn't have any pressure on their shoulders, they they performed probably the best that we that we saw all season. You were actually at the the press conference with, with interim athletic director Josh Hurd. Uh, it seems like he just kind of checks all the boxes. Uh, as somebody who is stepping up as a leader for this program, was there anything that stood out to you that he said specifically and kind of what was the vibe going forward for you? Did did it give you any kind of inclination of of where they're leaning as far as uh, where and when they'll make a head coaching hire? Uh, So yeah, again, the the vibe and and kind of what you see going forward. He he was a little bit ambiguous and open-ended with that answer because I mean, it's, it's really hard to tell. It depends on how interviews go with, with prospects, but it, it, at least this time around, as opposed to now when, when Louisville had fired Patino and, and uh, Patrick was the interim, during that coaching search, I mean, candidate one, candidate two, candidate 3A, BC was Chris Mack. I mean, Chris Mack was the hire, like was, was the guy for Louisville. For any program. For any yes. program, and, right. and they – and Louisville just kind of, you know, had tunnel vision and focused squarely on him. Now, I mean, that's not saying it's a bad thing. That was the right call. And Josh Hurd even said that uh, his exact quote was, sometimes it's just not the right fit. They're, they're in, they excel their interview, their, their resume checks out, but it's something that just doesn't fit. So this time around, they he made explicitly clear that they're going to, he's going to gather all the information that he can and he said it's going to be a col- he's going to make the decision, obviously, but it's going to be a collaborative effort between him and others at the university. And he's going to take in as much information as he can. And this this isn't something that's probably going to be resolved in the next two weeks. I fully expect that Louisville's not probably not going to have a head coach until mid late March. They're going to take this this coaching search as seriously as you can and try and find the right hire for the job. And and people kind of asked what his parameters and qualifications for someone for the job. And it was kind of a, a little bit of a broad spectrum. It didn't, didn't necessarily rule out anyone based on their own qualifications. I think the exact quote was, they just have to be a good basketball coach. Cause I think someone said, does, is anyone ruled out if they have, if they don't have a coaching experience, if they don't have college experience, if they don't have any experience, he just said, I'm looking for someone who's a good basketball coach. So it seems like, not only are they going to not honing on just one specific target, but they're probably going to cast a broad net to see who's interested. Now, to that point, Josh Hurd did make a point to say he does have a list. You can tell he's a George man by saying, as an athletic director, you have to have a list. If you don't have a list, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, Matt, do you get the sense that this is more of 
a guy's choice to come to Louisville at this point. I think I think a lot of the national scene is like, oh, a guy like Bruce Pearl wouldn't leave a job like Auburn right now, or a guy like Jay Wright's untouchable because of you know a, a lot of factors. Do you think it's just going to depend on the candidate and what they see Louisville as in the future, or do you think Louisville is across the board, you know, a top five job like Josh Hurd said? Oh, it absolutely is top five job. And Hurd actually made the comment saying that there's a lot of coaches across the country who are saying the Louisville job is open. But obviously there's going to be like a select few coaches who are probably going to be untouchable, like Cal, Izzo, maybe a couple others thrown in there. But like, this is a coaching search where you legitimately can almost pick anyone you want if you write a, if you write a check big enough. I mean, obviously, it, it, the candidate's going to have have to have mutual interest in it. But you, this is a job where you can realistically pick almost anyone you want, and then the fan base. This is the type of job that demands it. This this is a big name job. So it's going to require a big name coach and Josh heard based on like what we've heard today in the press conference, sounds like he's not afraid to try and go after someone big, whether or not he does or whether like, or what candidates he's focusing on. We don't know yet, but I'm, I'm excited to see like who he has in mind. That one. It seems almost ridiculous to even ask, but I think it has to be asked. Do you, do you consider Jay Wright as an option or do you think that that's just totally crazy out of bounds thinking like, Louisville fans think way too highly of themselves um, probably should go after somebody different. Or do you think that that that's at least a conversation to be had? Uh, I think Jay Wright gets a call, obviously. I mean, he's heard has the connections to Villanova. I mean, he's worked with Jay Wright. So heard would be doing himself a disservice by not calling Jay Wright, who is probably one of the best X's and O's coaches out there. But I mean, Jerry's not coming to Louisville. I mean, Hurd, Hurd can call all he wants, but that I would probably classify right as like an untouchable guy. Cause I mean, he's, he's been approached by other jobs before other like blue blood jobs before. Yeah. And he's still at Villanova. It seems like he likes Villanova. It seems like he likes the city of Philadelphia. So I would probably, honestly, I would probably put right as one of the quote unquote untouchables that you just straight up can't get it. And I, I wholeheartedly agree, but I do think that that is the one name that Louisville fans feel like if you are going to go out there and shoot your shot with somebody that is probably kind of out of your grasp, I think that he's like the one guy that's like just over the line of, of a guy that you can't grab. And almost like I've chuckled to myself when I see somebody post on Twitter about it or something. But I mean, that's, that's one of those things where, I think you do have that relationship and you have the whole kind of side story about, you know, uh, um, right. Tweeting about how incredible herd was when he was there, when they won a couple national championships. And so, I mean, there is kind of that aspect of it's still kind of in Louisville's Louisville fans mind. So I feel like me and you, and, and I definitely think Nick, just by conversations that I've had with him, we feel like that's unrealistic, unattainable. But at, at, at the same time, I think it's still a conversation that needs to be had. Let, let me, we'll get you out of here, Matt. I know you have a lot of things to do. And again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Matt McGavick, I would freaking, I, I would absolutely love to see this man, uh, you know, on, on the Louisville beat full time going forward. If there is a guy, if you could, if you could pick a guy that, that is on that reasonable list, that's on the other side of the line that is a, a head coaching candidate for Louisville basketball. You could pick a guy to kind of re-energize and restart this program. Is there a name that stands out right now, or are you still evaluating? 
I'm still a little bit of evaluating. I mean, I actually just wrapped up my hot board that I'm going to post in the morning with even still, there's probably going to be another iteration of that down the line with additional names. I mean, obviously the fan, most people in the fan base want Bruce Pearl. I mean, Bruce Pearl would be a good get, but I mean, he's got his own skeletons in the closet with the NCAA. And I'm not sure that'd be the best fit for Louisville. Then you've had, you have seemingly everyone and their mother clamoring for Kenny Payne. I mean, he's, he played at Louisville. He's got the connections. He's an elite recruiter. Promise just doesn't have any head coaching experience. And I think with the program in its state right now, you, I'm not sure you take a gamble that big on someone who has no coach, not even no P5 coaching experience, no head, no head coaching experience, period. I mean, he's been an assistant everywhere he's been. He's been a, a damn fine assistant, but I think you have to have some value in having being a head coach at this point in time. Honestly, just kind of going over all my options on the hot board, I am starting to turn on to maybe Eric Musselman being my front runner. The dude is a fantastic coach he's an amazing recruiter and i think what shouldn't be lost in this search is that yes being in an x's and o's type of guy helps but in this day and age of college basketball you've got to you've got to be a great recruiter you've got to get guys in not just like average guys who have a little bit of potential i mean to be frank we're seeing this right now with louisville a bunch of average guys with potential and you have to tap into that for Louisville to be great again. And I hate that I'm even saying that phrase. They have to, they have to hire a guy who can recruit and recruit at a very high level. And honestly, looking at all the guys that I kind of compiled on my little hot board, and there were, there were a few, I would, I'd probably go with Musselman. I mean, the dude's got at Arkansas has the number two class, the number two overall class 2022 and he's got two mcdonald's all-americans yeah i mean that's that's hard to beat <laughs> and plus and he ma- took the razorbacks to the elite eight last year i mean the guy can the guy can get the talent and the guy can coach so he's he's probably probably my my pick for Louisville. muscleman's in year two at arkansas too that's that's the thing that's so intriguing obviously rebuilt nevada Actually, year three is it year three i guess yeah, with COVID, yeah three. Yeah, yeah it, it all sticks together at this point. Look, was looking at so many coaches last night, I can't keep it straight. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> you got to go for a guy that has the personality, right? Like, not the anti-Chris Mack personality, but a guy who's like really going to rev up the fan base in the right way. I mean, I, I just picture, I'm, I'm thinking of him, you know, getting off the bus, screaming, stopping traffic when they went to the Elite Eight at Fayetteville. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of guy you need. And like you said, I think, I think the recruiting is 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 the biggest piece. And at this point, I really think the game is get the best players in and then develop them. And X's and O's honestly are secondary right now in this sport. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think the only real exception to this rule could be Rick Pitino. But, I mean, there's only one Rick Pitino. We're going to hire Rick Pitino. For, That's right. We're not even going to get into that discussion. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, I mean, if you, if you do want to talk about coaches that are unattainable, if there's one coach that's untouchable besides Calipari – uh, it's Patino, I think so. There's a reason Volvo's in this mess right now. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I say the same thing about Tom Jurich as well. You know, everybody keeps talking about bring Jurich back. Bring, well, well, who's the guy that that put Wolvo in a financial? Yes, he was a great fundraiser and everything. But who's the guy that put Wolvo in this financial mess? 
I mean, we can get yeah. into that for yeah, hours. You, yeah, no, you. I'll, I'll just say this before I go too far into it. You have to acknowledge the good things of both Patino and Georgian, but you have to acknowledge the baggage that they brought and why they are no longer at the University of Louisville. Yep, I, I think that you can appreciate something after it's done and realize that it's never going to come back. Like, I mean, think about think about every uh, movie that makes a sequel that shouldn't. You know, you can you can appreciate Avatar as an absolute wonder 10 years ago. Oh, the gone with Bobby Petrino is a, is a relevant example, but I guess that works too. Yeah, I was about to say, Bobby Petrino <laughs> was Avatar. There you go. Matt McGavick, thank you. Probably gave us more time than we deserve. Uh, appreciate your hard work. Appreciate your insight. Until we see you again, please get some rest. You deserve it. <laughs> Try it. <laughs> see you, man. Right, and thanks again to Matt McGavick for coming on with us. But I guess, Nick, for this final kind of segment of the, of the podcast, we want to get into essentially what everybody in the Twittersphere, what everybody that is a Louisville basketball fan, what everybody that's a college basketball fan is kind of wondering and hoping to get an answer for sooner rather than later. And that's who is in the running uh, for, for the future head coaching position at the University of Louisville. And who do we consider um, legitimate options? I know that with Mac, or excuse me, with Matt, that gets a little confusing. With Matt, uh, we kind of got into why Jay Wright should not be considered an option. To us, it might seem obvious. There are a lot of people throwing it out there. So it needs to still be, you know, needed to still be discussed. But going into this coaching search, essentially, Josh Hurd laid out today what he's looking for. And the fact that he already has a list of future guys for every coaching job, just like Tom Jurich was. He's a Tom Jurich disciple, worked under him, uh, and, and did a really good job of just laying out exactly what's expected. But the number one thing that stood out to me that he has emphasized over and over again is moving into this NIL generation and how Louisville can be on the forefront of that. And that is what really intrigues me uh, because I think that when you look at the college, college basketball coaching landscape, the same guys that stand out as really solid coaches right now are the same ones that are probably going to really excel uh, in the in the NIL game. Uh, but to you, uh, I, I know that you wrote an article that's going to be coming out probably uh, late tonight or tomorrow morning uh, on stateofvolvo.com just about who are the coaches that that we should be considering. Uh, Matt Matt mentioned uh, a Muscleman from Arkansas, but who who really stands out to you and, and kind of just go into why? Yeah, I think we have to start with Kenny Payne. Kenny Payne is the guy that has been talked about for years. Kenny Payne is the former Calipari assistant of 10-plus seasons, current assistant on the New York Knicks bench, who, you know, is a 1986 Louisville basketball national champion. So, I mean, he's got the Louisville blood. He's got assisting at a high level. He's got a lot of recruiting ties. He is a big Nike guy, which is a big question mark, obviously, in the age of now that we're out and talking about how money is spent, you know, in the NCAA, we, 
we can talk about it openly, but you know, Adidas and Nike do not like each other. And they have made a big deal out of assistance and former guys tied with them going the opposite way. So that is definitely something you got to think about. He's also not been a head coach before at any level um, that I'm aware of, maybe over other than like church league. Um, and that's concerning, you know, and I'm, I'm very concerned with Kenny Payne. And I, that's been the thing that I think I've had to really figure out the last couple of days looking into it is, you know, what is his ceiling? You know, I think his ceiling as a Louisville guy with recruiting ties is national championship winning again as a coach. I mean, I, I think that is his ceiling, but what is his floor? I mean, I think his floor, quite honestly, Prez is like four seasons and out. Like I, I really do. And I think you have to have that conversation. Um, but again, it's a lot of the unknowns. I think that's a guy that takes the blank check. Um, I think that's a guy you don't have to write a crazy amount on the check to get, quite frankly. I mean, again, he's an assistant for the New York Knicks. Yeah, you make good money. You got connections. I don't think that's a long time, long-term solution for him. He's also an older guy as well, um, which a lot of these candidates are. That gets you right into Bruce Pearl, who has been the talk of Louisville Twitter. I don't know who planted it. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if somebody's getting ad revenue from it. But man, about a week ago, the Bruce Pearl train started humming and it is all that has been trending in Louisville. It's all that anybody's talking about. And I'm buying it, Presley. I'll say it. I'm buying it. I know he's an older coach. He's 61. But this man has, you know, has Auburn right now, the first time in program history at number one in the country in the AP poll, took them to a final four two seasons ago, had another really good team last year. Um, should have should have gotten to the national title in that year. Let's be clear here. Virginia got bailed out of that game. Um, has recruited at an extremely high level, as he always has, and is a really good X's and O's guy, is passionate, is everything that you want in that regard. And, you know, if the if there's any smoke or if there's any fire to the smoke, is interested in the Louisville job. And so that's something that you also have to keep in mind. And I think the thing for me getting into any candidate is you have to get over the fact that you might reach out to a guy or reach out to somebody's people and you might get a no. And like, that's not the worst thing in the world. Like personally, I'm going to be really crazy here. I'm getting a hold of Brad Stevens people. I really am. Like, why not? Right. See if right now is the opportunity that he would want to take to come back to college basketball. I mean, I'm doing the same thing with Billy Donovan. And again, I know that that sounds crazy, but like this might be their time, you know, and this might be the one they were waiting for. And if it is, then, you know, you reach out through the back channels and if the worst thing, if the worst comes to worst, then you, you know, claim you never did it, right? That's what you do anyways. You just claim you never reached out to him. And, and so I think that's the thing for me is you shoot for the stars here. And I'm worried that Kenny Payne would be a settle as far as what's available right now. You know, let's talk about guys that aren't available, right? You got to look at Jay Wright. Um, I think Jay Wright, because of his relationship with Hurd, might be an interesting component because of his age and what he has accomplished at Villanova with two national titles could honestly lend him to maybe be interested. And I think he might be a guy and that's what you got to find out. You know, maybe it's Scott drew, maybe it's bill self. I don't think it's bill self. I'll say that right now. It's definitely not Cal, but is there a guy like Scott drew? Is there a guy like, you know, Jay Wright that wants to go do it again? You know, that, that is like a guy who prides himself on rebuilding and like winning another national title somewhere else. I mean, Rick Pitino did that, you know, like, is that what, what gets these guys fired up, you know? And, and so I think, I think if we're being really realistic and we would just want to call it black and white, I think it's Bruce Pearl for me. 
or Eric Musselman. I think those are the two that stand out. I agree with Matt. I really like what Musselman has done at, at both Nevada and Arkansas. Really like, um, really like the culture he brings to the table. Really like his enthusiasm, his recruiting. I mean, I, I, my issue, Prez, is I think there's a really sharp drop off here with who is available. And I think you either really hit a home run. Like I said, like you go off somewhere in La La Land and get Brad Stevens or Billy Donovan, like really like shake the sport upside down. You know, I think Bruce Pearl will do the same thing. Or you maybe settle for a guy like Kenny Payne, who maybe this is his dream job and it probably is, um, but doesn't have the experience at this level as a head coach. And I think that's a big deal. Um, Obviously, the big thing is you can't miss. Right. As we talked about with Matt, I think really what I've come down to believing, hearing from different sources and different things is that it's going to come down to the individual. If the individual thinks Louisville is a top five job, then they're going to be interested. If they don't, then they won't be. And you don't know until you until you make those connections, until you ask the questions. Think about college football press. Every year we get a guy leaving Brian Kelly. No one in their right mind thought Brian Kelly would leave Notre Dame for LSU in their right mind. Also, we all, we're all aware Brian Kelly was not option number one for LSU, right? But when they called and they offered the check, Brian said, yeah, I'll do it, right? And he prides himself on wanting to do it again. Will that ruin his career? It might, but he, he wants to try again. And so I think you might honestly just have to make the contact, gauge the interest, and if you're going to make a splash higher, then make a splash, right? And, you know, like if you're not going to make a splash higher, then spin it like you are. The issue that a lot of people have when you look at hiring a guy like like, like Bruce Pearl. The issue that people have with hiring a Bruce Pearl is that Louisville has so much of this negative NCAA cloud over its head. How could you go out and hire a guy like Bruce Pearl? That's all that's all I keep hearing. You know, I I have all family and friends and everybody that's reaching out. Who are they going to hire? What's the game plan? What's going to happen? And when I react and say that my number one guy would be Bruce Pearl, they're kind of taken back because they're like, isn't that the guy that cheats? Isn't that the guy who has negative NCAA allegations and got programs in trouble? Isn't that the guy, you know? Yeah, it is. But number one, issues that Bruce Pearl had for the most part are things that are now legal in the NCAA. I think that's one thing that you really have to look at and consider is that he violated rules that the NCAA now considers things that are permissible. I think that's one huge factor that, that comes into play with this. The second thing with Bruce Pearl is that I believe that he would absolutely come to a program like Louisville because he has the ego and you have to have a guy who has that ego. And we saw it with Chris Mack. Chris Mack was a very fun guy, a very likable guy, a a guy that you want to cheer for and you want to be successful, a guy that was bought into building the the program to be what he wanted it to be. And that's what excited people about Chris Mack. But the problem with Chris Mack was he didn't have that ego. He didn't have that it factor like Bruce Pearl does. And that's what excites people. And that's why it's easy to look at, at, at the college basketball landscape and say, okay, well, who's the, who's got the number one team in the country, bro. Let's go. Let's go get Bruce Pearl. They're number one in the country. They, you know, these putting together a national championship caliber team and they just beat Kentucky and blah, blah, blah. But there's so much more to it. 
I think that the rumbling started with Bruce Pearl two, three weeks ago before they were at, at that point in the season. So the issue that people take with, with Bruce Pearl, you have to also consider the college basketball landscape and consider the risks that programs took uh, when they hired their current coaches. Uh, John Calipari down the road was a big risk. He had a lot of violations at Memphis and UMass. Uh, <laughs> he was a huge risk, and obviously that's paid massive dividends for the University of Kentucky. He has a lifetime contract now. Bill freaking self, a guy that just he couldn't lose his job if he pulled down his pants and took a pee on the floor. Like this, he is not like he is just locked in there. And Rick Bettino, we've already hired a controversial coach. And a guy that freaking was coaching at, at your rival school before. A guy that couldn't get it done at other places. Like coaches that you take a chance on in college basketball, just like college football, more often than not pay off. It's when you make the safe hire. It's when you hire the Kenny Payne. It's when you hire the even, Eric Musselman will probably be my second choice, but it's even when you hire an Eric Musselman, a guy that is like a quote unquote up and comer. Chris Mack was the guy. He was the up-and-comer. You have to find a guy who is culturally a good fit. And for a program like the University of Louisville that wants to consider itself a top-five program all time, you have to hire a guy like that, a guy that's going to make a splash. He's going to be make a personality splash. He's going to emphasize NIL. He's going to emphasize student interaction. He's going to emphasize you know, getting butts in seats and, and fans in the stands and getting, being a reason why people want to come. He's going to be he's going to be the reason why the media flocks to the flocks to press conferences like like they do with, with Rick Pitino and like they do with John Calipari. That's why he makes such a big splash for me. If we're talking about a guy that's a little bit outside the box that nobody's talking about right now, that's a similar kind of, of, of fit, not as big of a personality, but a similar fit. And I think he checks a few different boxes than Pearl does is Kelvin Sampson. Kelvin Sampson's a really good example of a guy who'd be a good fit. I mean, just on the heels of a final four with a, a great team. Um, so Kelvin Sampson's the other guy that really stands out to me. He is in the same boat as Bruce Pearl in that he committed some violations at Indiana. He was dumb. Let's be, let's be honest. He was dumb. And that's the reason why he lost his job at IU, but ultimately he took his lumps and now he's back in college basketball, and he's making a massive splash at Houston. Now, I know Houston was a traditional powerhouse years ago, but by the same token, they're not in a power conference, and he is getting it done. I think that Kelvin Sampson, he also checks off the box of being an African-American hire, and you know you have a lot of former players, rightfully so, clamoring for, give Kenny Payne a chance. Why wouldn't you hire an African-American coach? He'd make such a big splash. Kelvin Sampson would be a great hire for, or at least a guy to consider that kind of, I mean, let, let's be very frank and straightforward. I mean, 80 to 90% of players that come through the university of Louisville or power five college basketball are not white dudes and white dudes are running the show. So it would be nice to consider minority coaches uh, for, for hires. Um, and I, I think that, that Kelvin Sampson, uh, like Kenny Payne kind of checks that box as well. And it's not that you're checking boxes, but it's that you're giving everyone an equal opportunity. That's not something that we've heard that happened with Chris Mack. I don't know if Kenny Payne was interviewed or, or, or considered for the position uh, back when Chris Mack was hired. Uh, regardless, I think it's, that is something that's super important, and I really hope that's something, not that, that you should just go out of your way to place an emphasis on that, 
but it's still important. It's still important to consider minority hires to such a point, to such a degree that 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 professional sports are making it a rule that you have to consider minority hires. So there there are a lot of moving components, but I really like Kelvin Sampson. If I had to pick a dark horse coach that most people aren't talking about, that's a guy that stands out, obviously, besides Brad Stevens. Um, just to- totally kidding. I don't think the Brad Stevens thing is going to work out, and or you know, I don't. I don't think any of that stuff's going to come to fruition. But I like your your perspective uh, that you know why not? Why not give every coach like? Let's be realistic. Any coach that's out there, Louisville should be calling. Any coach that that would be just a home run, absolute, unbelievable, head turning hire. A, a, a program like Louisville should have the the cojones to at least give their agent a call. To at least try that, uh, but but names that are going to surface, I I do buy the Bruce Bruce Pearl hype because that is a name that we heard coming out three four weeks ago. That's a name that we already heard was putting feelers out way before we knew that Chris Mack was going to leave during the middle of the season. Probably before Chris Mack knew that he was leaving. So to me, that's interesting. Again, I'm I'm the same with you. If it's not Bruce Pearl, I really like Eric Musman. Number one because he's just a young. I don't, I hate saying up and coming coach because I mean, he just, he's on the heels of an elite eight and he turned around a Nevada program. That's never been anything ever. Uh, so he's a guy who can recruit the issue that I take with Eric Musselman. You know, we talked about the issues with Bruce Pearl. The issue that I take with Eric Musselman is that he's become a guy that's really, really, really hit the transfer portal hard. And I think that gives me a little bit of pause because the transfer portal can be a lot more hit and miss than a guy that's willing to develop talent. And I think that that's why when you look across the, the college basketball landscape, the guys who have been uber successful, the Selfs, the Williams, the Krzyzewskis, uh, the Bayheims, um, who am I missing? Uh, Calipari. Like the, the, those are the, the big names in college basketball. And all of those guys are, have been successful by recruiting freshmen and developing them or letting them come in and, and, you know, stylistically uh, find their fit within their program and their system. Nobody's ever really made eight, nine graduate transfers year in and year out work. And I'm not sure Eric Musselman's the guy that's going to do that either. Uh, I see graduate transfers as supplemental pieces. As a Louisville fan, I'd, I'd like to never see a Carly Jones type of situation again, where you have, you have to rely on a guy who's a fifth year senior to come in and even give you a chance of being in the NCAA tournament. Uh, so w- w- with all of that said, uh, I'm right there with you. Bruce Pearl is, is my number one, just because I think that there's legs to that. And maybe we get, we jump on here and have an emergency podcast in two days. And it turns out the Bruce Pearl stuff was all just his agent, but not feelers and nothing ever came of it. Uh, but I, I personally believe that, that there, that there are legs to that. And if, I'm looking across the entire college basketball landscape. He's a guy that stands out. One other guy that, that people are throwing out a lot, I've seen mentioned by The Athletic, by ESPN, uh, by you know some, some of the more prevalent people um, just tweeting this out. Uh, Nate Oates has been another guy that's been thrown out. Again, to me, that's not a splashy hire. And not that you have to make a like a super splashy hire. Like if Nate Oates comes here and he's a great recruiter and, and gets Louisville and, you know, is a top solidifies them as a top four ACC program in the next three years, like then, yeah, that's, that's a great hire. But I think right now to with where the program is with where the fan base is, where the national perception is, 
you have you got to put butts in seats, man. And I'm not sure Nate Oates or, or even Eric Musselman does that. I think Bruce Pearl puts butts in seats. You want to talk about, you know, season tickets are down, and this is the first time Louisville hasn't been in the top 10 in attendance since, like, the inception of, of them keeping those statistics. If you want to get in, into those conversations, then, yeah, you're going to bring a lot more money to the, to the university, and there's are going to be a lot more boosters willing to shell over a lot more money if you bring in a guy like that. I can promise you that. So that's kind of my take on the, on the coaches. Final thoughts on the future of the program, specifically coaching-wise. Yeah, I think I was going to add Chris Holtman to that list. Um, he's one that's always kind of been in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. Current coach at Ohio State. He is um, obviously was the, the head coach of Butler a couple years after Brad Stevens left. He feels like a guy. He's a Midwest guy. Um, coached at OU on the bench, Roll Bobbies. Um, he, he's developed a lot of talent. He's recruited well, has some good Midwest connections. Um, so it seems like a guy that would is younger, you know, has less you know, deep, not less power five experience coaching at an elite level, but has done really well in his time at Ohio state. And honestly, probably peaked really quickly. And in, in the first couple of years, and now it's coming back down to earth a little bit as he had some absolute dudes that he inherited quite frankly. But I think he would be a guy that you could add to that list too. And again, I think the thing for me is you, you have to shoot high here. And like, I personally don't think you have to not miss, right? Like, I don't think they have to, very clearly go after one guy and like give up and then take a settle. Like, I just do not see that as like, if you are a top five program, act like it, reach out to people like you are a top five program and like absolutely wheel and deal. If you offer somebody and they say, no, act like it didn't happen. Like a top five program, like do this thing correctly, publicly and behind the scenes. And I think Josh Hurd's off to that start. I really do. I I think it's going to be a splash hire. I think there's a chance. It's not a guy we have anywhere on hot boards. I think there's a chance it's an NBA guy. I think there's a chance it's a, a elite basketball coach at a place that you would say is a staple spot who has always been interested to, to coach in Louisville, to coach in that TV market, to coach in a, in a legit city um, <laughs> that does not have a pro team. You know, I, I, that is a very attractive thing. The Yum Center is a very attractive thing. The facilities, the money, I mean, the blank check hat, you know, Again, Chris Mack just saved us $8 million. So you know where that $8 million is going. I tell you that right now. It was already in the budget. You know, if it had to be used, it's going to hire this next basketball coach. I mean, again, you can you can throw out names that are quote unquote realistic and names that aren't, but find your two or three guys, really zero in on exactly who you want and go get them. You know, make it a situation where they have no option but to say yes. Make it a situation where they get off the phone and they say, honey. This is the number they just offered. It's a beautiful city in the Midwest. Got all these opportunities, good schools, all these different things for our kids, for our grandkids. This is an opportunity. You, you need to give them a chance where their spouse or whoever says, we got to go. We got to take that job. You know, like give them a chance that they will not get again. And, and I'll go back to Bruce Pearl with this. And this is where I'll end Presley. Bruce Pearl, if he is interested, should take the Louisville job because Auburn is a football school. The man said this after beating Kentucky three days ago. He said, Auburn's a football school. That was the first thing that came out of his mouth. But look at this environment. They will forever be a football school. That is the power broker. That is what spins the finances. That is what brings in the finances. That is what it will be at that university. And if you want Bruce Pearl, you can get him with that attractive offer of, you are Louisville. This is the city. This is what everybody wants to be elite. Like you can bring us back to that. 
And, and I think that's the thing that you, you absolutely have to lean into. I firmly believe that you can look at Chris Mack and you can look at the way he was hired and the way that it was talked about. And you can say as anybody who is a prominent D1 or NBA basketball coach and say, that was Chris Mack. There were a lot of things he couldn't control. That won't be me. I can take that job and I'm going to win and I'm going to recruit and we are going to win national titles and go to final fours. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. This is a, this is a good day in the history of, of Louisville basketball. It's a weird day. It's a weird time, but we're going to get an elite coach. I firmly believe that. And anything less is unacceptable. I'm 100% right there with you. Other thing too, Bruce Pearl has never been at a quote unquote basketball school. That's right. I and mean, he's, he's probably the last kind of big name coach out there who has not been really considered for like a power program position. So he was a coach, very successful coach at Tennessee for six years, was out of the business because of, you know, NCAA stuff um, from 2011 to, I believe, 2014, and then has been in Auburn since then. The entire time has spent his time just building them up as a basketball program, and that's taken time. But I think he's built his brand and his reputation as a guy who 100% can be the next guy that's up with, up there with the elite coaches. Um, and I think that his personality and what he could bring to the table and what he could bring to, again, NIL recruiting, all of that other stuff, he could be the guy who puts Louisville on, on the same level as the other power programs in the recruiting department. And then he's obviously one of the better X's and O's coaches and one of the best, you know, one of the more master motivators um, ar- around the country. So to me, that that's the guy. Uh, you, you did mention named Holt, Holtman up at uh, Ohio State. I will mention that would set a lot of people off and, and push rub them the wrong way again because he did grow up a, a massive UK fan, uh, a guy who his dream job is the University of Kentucky. Uh, again, having a, you know, a, a interim president who is a UK grad and a bunch of members on the board that are UK grads that would all the, all the tinfoil hat guys, they'd be coming out uh, in full force over the Holtman hire. I'm not sure if that's, again, that's, that's probably one of the more boring hires that you can make. Not that he couldn't be successful at Louisville. I absolutely think that he could. And the one guy that we didn't mention as well, that a lot of people are bringing up is Mick Cronin. I'd just rather not. I, I guess it's it's a possibility and he could be considered, but I mean, I, I think that given what he's built at UCLA, I think that that's a, a job that's pretty on equal playing field w- with Louisville. And I, I, I wouldn't see him leaving uh, regardless, especially because of uh, the disdain that he developed for Louisville uh, over his time in, in the big East uh, playing against the, against the cards as well. So to me, I, I think those are, we've kind of mentioned the guys that really stand out to us right now. Um, I don't think that Kenny Payne is definitely, I don't think he's off Louisville's radar. I'm in my opinion. I hope that it's not, I hope that it's not for a, a plethora of reasons that we can get into. And if, if we find that he's still considered to be a major candidate for this, I mean, he, he will be a candidate for the shop un- unquestionably. Uh, but I, I think there are a, a ton of reasons why I don't think that he would work out. I, I see that there is a much higher chance with Kenny Payne uh, putting Louisville back in the same position that we're in right now in four years uh, than not. And that's what concerns me. And I don't think that he has as high of a ceiling as some of these other quote unquote splashy hires. Um, So I think that we've, we've dug enough into this kind of coaching 
uh, search that's going to be going on. I think that this is something that we'll be talking about for a while. Um, looking ahead very, very briefly, because Louisville does kind of have a game against it's the best opponent on his schedule uh, all season in the Duke Blue, Blue Devils and Coach K's last time uh, visiting the KFC Yum Center and potentially the last time that he'll ever play Louisville. Any thoughts on, on the UK game or excuse me, wow, the Duke game uh, and any thoughts on if Louisville even has a, a fighting chance? Do you think that there's some way that assistant coach Mike Biggies can come in, have this team rally around each other and kind of be in front of a raucous crowd against a, a really, really, really quality opponent uh, and, and maybe kind of, you know, spring some hope uh, for, for the rest of the season and, and going forward? Or, or do you think that it's just going to be kind of just survive and just kind of look on to the next game for the rest of the season? I would be shocked if it's not the best effort you see out of the team collectively all season. I think the arena will be as full as it's been probably with maybe the Russ Smith Jersey retirement Notre Dame game aside, it will be the, as full it has been as it has been uh, with coach K leaving and all that. But I, w- I would be shocked if the team does not play hard. I don't know if they're going to execute, but I would expect to team- see a team a lot more like what we saw in the Bahamas who played for each other, who was excited um, and who uh, really cared to, to put on that Jersey. Nick, it's been a pleasure as always uh, before your wife uh, kicks you out of the house. We'll get you out of here. Uh, thank you again for your time. Thank you uh, so much to Matt McGavick for hopping on with us. Uh, until next time, uh, we'll, it, things will probably be completely different. And we'll think that we're idiots when listening back to this. But until next time, Nick Connor, Preston Meyer, starting five with two podcast. As always, go cards. Go cards. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.